So that was just two weeks ago. And um, it's such an encouragement to see our, uh, our kids, our students, to take a step to follow Christ in obedience uh, in, in baptism. And I want to remind us, you know, baptism isn't just for kids. It's for Christ followers. It's uh, for those people. It's a, it's a decision that a Christ follower makes. Somebody else can't make that decision for us. I know I was baptized as an infant. My parents made that decision, but it wasn't my decision. And Jesus said to make disciples. And disciples are people who have chosen to follow Christ. And they decide. And uh, if you're an adult or a teenager and you haven't been baptized as a follower of Christ, that's something that you should consider. Uh, it's an essential part of the Great Commission as well. So uh, Bridge Kids, we're going to let you go and uh, join your, uh, your other group in, in, uh, in your class. Next week uh, is uh, Gratitude Sunday, and uh, I'm pretty excited about it. We have a, we have a really good sign-up for that. Um, so it's going to be our regular worship service, and if you aren't getting our emails, you may not know about it or you may not know to sign up. And we would love to have you on our email list, but you have to let us know that that's what you want. And so uh, if you're not on our email list... Uh, let us know. You can let me know. You can, you can email info at thebridgechurchec.org, and uh, we, would, we would glad to get you connected. So since next week is Gratitude Sunday, today we're going to talk about gratitude, having the attitude of gratitude. And researchers know that being grateful is good for your health. Professor Robert Emmons uh, wrote this. He said, clinical trials indicate that the practice of gratitude can have a dramatic and lasting effect on a person's life. He continues, it can lower blood pressure, improve immune function, and facilitate more efficient sleep. So what's not good about that? A study from the University of California, San Diego School of Medicine found that people who are more grateful actually have uh, better heart health, in case you would like to have better heart health, less inflammation, I like that part a lot, and uh, healthier heart rhythms. Uh, they were less depressed and less fatigued, they found, uh, and they slept better. Okay, that's, that's another study that says more sleep. They found that gratitude works the opposite of stress. Now get that. Stress often works against our health emotionally and physically, and gratitude does the opposite of improving those areas and giving relief to stress. Another, um, uh, the, the Wall Street Journal reports that studies also show that gratitude has similar benefits for children, kids who feel and act grateful tend to be less materialist less materialistic they get better grades they set higher goals they uh, complain of fewer headaches in case that is ever an issue and feel more satisfied with their friends family and school than kids who aren't grateful 
Gratitude is about giving thanks and being thankful. And so my question for you is, do you consider yourself to be a thankful person? Do you have an attitude of gratitude? And to focus on the attitude of gratitude today, we're going to just ask three questions. And uh, the first one of this is, how important is gratitude? How important is gratitude in the Bible? Uh, Let's just put aside uh, all of those, uh, that, that information about physical health and emotional health that scientists and perhaps non Christians have discovered that there is so many benefits to gratitude, but let's just set that aside. How important is gratitude? Well, the first thing we see, it has always been the practice of God's people throughout the scriptures, it's just woven into the scriptures. Um, 1 Chronicles 16, verses 8 through 12, and uh, the writer says, Give praise to the Lord. Now, I was surprised when I saw that because my old NIV that I often study with says, Give thanks to the Lord, the older version of the NIV. And the uh, New American Standard, one of my favorite translations, says, Give thanks to the Lord. Well, one of the things is that thanksgiving and praise are so closely tied together in Scripture. Thanksgiving in and of itself is praise. It's giving credit back to God. It's honoring God. Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim His name or give thanks to the Lord. Make known among the nations. That sure sounds like the Great Commission. Make known among the nations what He has done. Sing to Him. Sing praise to Him. Tell of His wonderful acts. That sounds like Acts 1.8. We're supposed to be a witness and tell what we know about who God is and what He's done for us. Uh, glory in His holy name. Next slide. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and His strength. Seek His face always. Remember the wonders He has done. That's what Thanksgiving is about. It's about remembering. It's about recalling and thinking back. What has God done? How has God provided? And it's thinking about God. Remembering uh, what He's done, His miracles, and the judgments He pronounced. Next slide. The trumpets, uh, trumpeters and musicians joined in unison to give praise and thanks to the Lord. There it is again, accompanied by trumpet cymbals and other instruments. This is, must have been really a big deal. Uh, huge, loud. The singers raised their voices in praise to the Lord and sang, He is good. This is why. This is why they were thankful. He is good. His love endures forever. His promises endure forever. Next slide. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud, and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. Because of this worship of God's people, on this occasion, God's presence became so powerful that the priests couldn't do their job. They had to withdraw from serving, overwhelmed by the presence of God. Now, um, let's, let's, let's go on. It was designated, so this act of giving thanks was designated to be the essential part of corporate worship. Um, 
Yeah, I just, I, I'm skipping a passage. So I have a lot of passages today. And um, some of you are going to think I'm doing too many. So we're kind of doing a survey here. And I'm not going to spend long on some of these passages. But sometimes we just need to see how big a deal this is. And that's what I want to do today. Our focus is gratitude. Next, it was designated to be an essential part of corporate worship. Uh, this Thanksgiving, designated to be an, an essential part of corporate worship. Uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, uh, verses 21. And after uh, consulting the people, Jehoshaphat, who was the fourth king of Judah after the divided kingdom, and if you don't know what that is, don't worry about it. And this is around 870 B.C., to get a little idea, roughly. This king, Jehoshaphat, appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise Him for the splendor of His holiness as they went ahead of the army saying, Give thanks to the Lord. This was their spiritual warfare. Give thanks to the Lord for His love endures uh, forever. Um, so, this is an essential part of corporate worship. And uh, it, it was, get, thanks was given for the love of God. Does God love you? Do you believe God loves you? Do, do you thank God for his love for you? Second Chronicles 31, verse 2, Hezekiah assigned the priests and Levites to divisions, each of them according to their duties as priests or Levites, to offer burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, to minister giving thanks. They had a paid position for this. There was a priest assigned to give thanks. He had a job to do that. This was important. Now, Hezekiah was the king. He was the 12th king of Judah after the divided kingdom. And, and this is about uh, 700 B.C., they were assigned to give thanks and to sing praises at the gates of the Lord's dwelling. Let's go to Nehemiah 12, verse 24. And the leaders of the Levites were Hashabiah, just say these words fast when you, when you don't know what they are, <laughs> Sherebiah, Yeshua, son of Cadmiel, and their associates who stood opposite them to give praise and thanksgiving. One section responding to the other as prescribed by David, the man of God. That's King David, also the psalmist. So Nehemiah was trying to restore a semblance of uh, worship back in Jerusalem. And uh, Jerusalem has been destroyed. Uh, God's people have been carried into captivity, and they're trickling back. And Nehemiah, around 445 B.C., Tells, uh, sets this up that this is how we're going to do worship again. And he appoints people to give praise and thanksgiving. What can we learn about gratitude? This is the second question. What can we learn about gratitude? Well, I, I've, I've kind of already said it, but I'm just going to say it. Thanksgiving is a form of both corporate and personal worship. It's worship. It's an active response back to God whereby we declare His worth, His value. Thanksgiving is a way we express our appreciation for God. It's about acknowledging who He is, what He has done, 
what we have been given, how He has provided. It's giving God the credit rather than ignoring Him or act like it doesn't matter or acting like I'm the one responsible for all the good things in my life because of my good choices. Hebrews 13, 15 uh, says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess His name. Thanksgiving is a sacrifice of praise. It is the fruit of our lips. It is an overflow of our hearts. And it should just be a normal response for a Christ follower. For who God is and for what God has done for them. Jumping back to the Old Testament, Ezra chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. Now this takes place in the midst of a building project. Okay, Ezra was a priest. This is about 470 B.C., and he led a second group of Jewish people out of captivity back to Jerusalem for a building project. Verse 10, When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, that's what they were there for, the priests in their vestments and with trumpets and the Levites, the son of Asaph, with cymbals took their places to praise God as prescribed by David, the king of Israel, with praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, He is good and His love toward Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. We have something to give praise and shout to the Lord for how He has provided through Guru Forward. Praise and thanksgiving for how God has provided. Now I want to go back to the Old Testament again, and I want to remind us of a very uh, important warning given by God to God's people. And uh, so here's a little background. If you remember, I know I'm, I'm going kind of fast and I'm jumping here, but we go back to the book of Exodus. God's people were in slavery for 400 years, and that wasn't good. And God powerfully uh, delivered them out of Egypt, out of Pharaoh's control, and God used a series of 10 miracles to display His greatness and just led God's people out uh, and through the Red Sea. And another miracle after the 10 miracles. Uh, uh, the plagues, and um, his, his promise was to take them into the promised land, the good land, flowing with milk and honey where life is going to be good and I can just bless your socks off. That was the plan. And we come to Deuteronomy chapter 8. And this comes right before they go into the land. So they, they have heads up on this. They're going into the land. This is what God's promised. It's going to be good. It's not going to be easy. There are going to be problems. But it's going to be good. And so I just, God says, I just want to warn you. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land He has given you. Verse 11. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord 
your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Now, I think there's a little bit of a parallel for us in our country because a lot of people, even some of those early Christians, sort of saw the United States as a promised land. And there were so many things about it that were really good and so much better than the, the places that they came from. Home of the brave and land of the free. And the ability uh, to, produce or to pursue life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Good things. But this danger is when we are we got food in our stomach and a place to live and things that we need. The danger is that we start to forget God. And then comes this warning in verses 17 and 19. Verse 17, uh, Deuteronomy 8. You may say to yourself, my power and strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. I did it. I work hard. I'm a smart person. I've made good choices. You know what? Those are important. Just don't forget the Lord your God. Because He's the one who's made this possible. You know, we can never forget. Why did we get to be born and live in this country and have so many privileges that other countries don't have? And we have so much more than, you know, just rate our, our financial income to the world population. And we are like way up here individually. And the danger is to forget the Lord your God. Verse 18, but remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirm His covenant, which He swore to your ancestors as it is today. The key is to remember, to reflect, to think back, recall how God has led you here. How God has provided for you. How has God met your needs? And then there's this clear warning, verse 19. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them. Now we don't have, you know, like gods where we take this different religious view and we worship them. Not like the Israelites did. They just had multiple gods oftentimes. Um, during some of the dark, dark days in the land of Israel. But we have other things that would have to become idols where they become top priority and they, they get more, they're more important than God. And that's a problem. And that's when we place more focus on other things than remembering God a lot of good things can become more important than God. And, and God says this, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed. And they were. And they were driven out of the land two times. And the city of Jerusalem was totally destroyed and the temple was destroyed because God meant business. Now this was to the nation Israel at I don't think there's any direct application to us as a church, but I'll, I'll tell you what's really clear to me. God can remove his blessing from us anytime he wants. And I don't think we have to be thankful out of fear. I think we just ought to be thankful because God provides so much when we really stop and think about it. Count your many blessing, blessings, name them one by one, 
Count them to see what the Lord has done. Now, some of you don't know where that's from. That's an old gospel song, but it's really very good theology. Uh, Next, we see that Thanksgiving was a daily practice of Jesus. Uh, This is what the disciples saw in Jesus' life. And we take a quick example from Jesus when he fed the 4,000 in Matthew 15, 36. Then he took the seven loaves and fish, and when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and they in turn to the people. Now, we, we just read over this. Yeah, he, Jesus gave thanks. But think about this. Jesus, the Son of God, who knew he was going to do a miracle, he, he, he doesn't have much to work with, but he's thankful. He's showing us how to live. He is thankful for what God has provided before he takes another step. And that's our model. Um, and it's the simplest way to show our dependence on God. And this is a, a great thing to teach our kids at home, to model this at home. And one of the questions I just want to ask you, do you thank God when you sit down to eat? It's pretty simple. It's not the only thing you can thank God for. Do you thank God with your family? Do you pray out loud with your family? Do you pray silently? Do you pray, thank God, in public places? Are you embarrassed to pray in public places and thank God? It's just an act of faith. I don't think it's trying to impress anybody. It's just an act of faith. And I'm not here trying to make you feel guilty. I want you to grow with your attitude of gratitude. Um, now, I found that, I know that there are times in a public restaurant when I'm with friends who aren't believers, there are times where it's just not appropriate in that group. And Sue and I sort of have an agreement. We'll just, we're okay. We're just going to thank God privately and without even making a show of it. And then there are other times when I'm with small groups and I can just say, hey guys, would it be okay if I just thank the Lord and, and most of them who have been around me long enough say, sure. And so it's just no big deal. And it's not about impressing anyone. It's just about returning thanks. Uh, one more passage here, Matthew 26, verses 26 and 27. And guess what this is? The very last meal that Jesus had with his disciples, he gave thanks. Verse 26, while they were eating, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, first time, He broke it and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, Eric, two times in this meal so far, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. Jesus just gave thanks. That's what he wants us to do as Christ followers, is to be a thankful people. Okay, we come to the last question. What can we do? What can we do? Well, make giving thanks a part of your daily routine. I'm sure some of you already do that, and that's good. But what I want you to know is, is that giving thanks is a choice. 
It's not a feeling. You choose to give thanks. It's even a discipline. It's, a, it's sometimes called the spiritual discipline to give thanks or to count your many blessings and name them one by one. You can write them down in a journal, but it is a choice. It's not, oh, I, I feel grateful today. Well, sometimes I do feel grateful, but that, I, I'm always called to be thankful. I'm always called to give thanks. Make giving thanks a part of your daily routine. Psalm 91, 95 verses 1 through, three, 1 through 3. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before Him with thanksgiving and extol Him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God and the great King above all kings. We have a great God and He is worthy of our praise and He deserves our thanksgiving. And we are to come before Him with an attitude of gratitude. How do you come before God? If this is a discipline, it sure changes your focus. If you just come before God because, oh, my circumstances suck, you know. I got all these problems and everything's going wrong. God, just bail me out. Now, there are times we need bailout prayers. God wants us to come before Him with thanksgiving. Did you know psychologists at Harvard University states that we can train our brains to become more grateful by setting aside five minutes per day for practicing gratitude? Now, here's the amazing thing is, we have non-Christians studying this thing. And they know it's powerful and it makes a difference in people's lives. God knew that all along, and He just wants His people to be thankful. Not so that they get all these benefits, because there are benefits, but so we have an intimate and a loving relationship with Him. Um, one study asked people to take five minutes a day, at the same time every day, to write three things they were grateful for, that they were thankful for. And they didn't have to be big things. And here's what he writes. Uh, these are suggestions he had. I'm thankful for the de delicious Thai takeout dinner I had last night. Simple thing. I'm thankful that my daughter gave me a hug. That's a big deal. I'm thankful that my boss complimented me at work last night. It's just sitting down, taking it a, a, a time to reflect on what you have to be thankful for. And by the way, one of the, one of the amazing things is, and I, this wasn't really clear to me until I professed to be an atheist when I was in college, because the whole idea of thanksgiving and being thankful rubbed me the wrong way, because I knew it doesn't make sense if you're an atheist. Who, who are you thankful to? There's no one. And that was a problem. And, and I'm glad later I discovered what my problem was, and now I have somebody to thank. But just this whole process of being thankful is really a spiritual exercise. Even non-Christians can practice it. Um, even a non-Christian can cultivate a thankful heart, and that's what God wants, has wanted us to do all along. 
whether we know about the benefits or not. Psalm 100, verses 3 through 5. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us. He's the Creator. And we are His, and we are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. That's how they were to come before God in worship. That's how we're supposed to come before God. With praise, with thanksgiving, a thankful heart, grateful heart, an attitude of gratitude. Why? Verse 5, For the Lord is good and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. God is good. You can count on it. His promises are for all generations. You can count on it. To our kids and to our grandkids and to family that are born long after we're gone, God's promises are good. I'm going to jump to Psalm 118, verse 21. I will give you thanks for you answered me. You have become my salvation. How often do you thank God for what he's done for you with your salvation? That you've been forgiven of your sins. That you're a child of God. That you have heaven as a promise. That you've been indwelled by the Holy Spirit. That you have resources that come from God to be filled by the Holy Spirit. To deal with temptation. To overcome sin patterns. I'm going to jump to the New Testament. The Apostle Paul writes, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 3 through 4, and uh, this may surprise you. And so Paul writes, But among you there must not be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed because these are improper for God's holy people. You know, what if... God's presence in this room started to light up people who were struggling with these things. And I'm not. I'm just saying. Paul says, these aren't appropriate for us. We are Christ followers. This, this doesn't fit with who we are. He says, there shouldn't be these things. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking. That's about the way we talk. It's about the way we relate to each other. That's about the way we do social media too, isn't it? which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Did you ever stop to think that thanksgiving in the place of the things that grab our attention for sin, that distract us, if we would start being thankful, that could take the place of some of those silly desires that, that come over us at times and, and cause us to have thoughts that we regret? or actions that we regret? What if we were more thankful? 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 6, 16 through 18, we get to the heart of the matter in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul writes, Rejoice, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What's God's will for you? Well, I can tell you with absolute certainty, he wants you to give thanks in all circumstances. Now, all circumstances aren't good, but God is. And God is good in all circumstances. And you can trust him 
And when we get circumstances that we've been out of shape and that are hard for us, that's when we need God. That's when we need to focus our thoughts on our need for God and, and we need Him to guide us. We need Him to empower us. We need His strength. God wants us to find Him in our circumstances, whether it's for comfort or for guidance or for hope or for help. And then Philippians 4, 6, we, we looked at this not long ago, but it's worth repeating. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Having a thankful attitude has a big impact on how we handle anxiety, how we handle anxious thoughts. Focusing back on God and His provision rather than focusing on our circumstances. And, you know, our circumstances are, are real and valid, and, and our emotional response to them may be real and valid, but there's also truth. And the Christian life is living by faith and trusting Him when He gives us direction. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, the last one for... Uh, we still have some more of Paul in the next section, the last section, but Colossians 3.17. Whatever you do, wh whether in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Whatever we do, whatever we say, whatever, whatever our actions are, whatever our thoughts are, do them in the name of Jesus. Um, he is our model. He is the one that we are to reflect and to represent and to be, have our lives be consistent with Him and giving thanks just the way Jesus did it as well. Um, whatever you do, your speech, your actions, may they be fitting with a thankful heart, which is different than an angry heart or a complaining heart or a grumpy heart. Okay, now we come to the last section. Make giving thanks for Jesus' love and provision central in your life. Don't forget what God's greatest gift is. Don't forget that. 1 Corinthians 15 57, the Apostle Paul writes, But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we've already touched on this a bit. So the Apostle Paul is writing 1 Corinthians here. He's, this is chapter 15. There are 16 chapters. And he's been de dealing with problems in the church. The Corinthian church is one of the most problematic churches in the New Testament, if it's not the most difficult church. He's been de dealing with division and immaturity and um, worship that's disorderly and taking believers arguing with believers and marriage and divorce and um, love and just a number of things. And not only that, they're not sure about the resurrection. They're not sure about one of the most basic tenets of Christianity. And then he comes to verse 57. He's just overwhelmed. He says, Thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. This just rises above everything. 
It's bringing the ultimate focus from all the problems that they face in the church and coming back to Jesus, the one who loved them, the one who sacrificed for them, the one who saved them from their sins. Now, Paul does this again in his second letter to the Corinthians, very last uh, passage, 2 Corinthians 9.15. He says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. It's really short. It's just overwhelmed with the goodness and love of God. What is the indescribable gift? It's the gift of God's Son. It's a gift God has provided for our salvation. Um, it's God's indescribable gift. It's John 3.16, for God so loved the world, He so loved us, that He gave His one and only Son that whoever, you or me, has believed will not perish, but has eternal life. Or Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, the gift, the indescribable gift, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Or Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, an indescribable gift, not of works, because we would boast about it if we were about being good and I'm better than you. It's a gift. It's an indescribable gift. And Paul says, Thanks be the God, which leads us now for us to give thanks and to remember Him and to share in a time of communion. Remember that Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. It's remember, recall, reflect, think about these things. Think about who Jesus is. Think about what he's done for you. Think about how he has changed your life, how he has helped you, how he has answered prayer. We remember today and give thanks for Jesus, for his life, for his death, for his resurrection, for his sacrifice for us. Now, we're going we're gonna to use the sealed communion like we have been doing since the pandemic started. And uh, I'm just going to, quick explanation here, two seals. You take the top one off carefully and, and then there's the uh, little small piece of bread and then there's a seal under that that has the juice. So if you pull the wrong one off, you're liable to have the juice in your lap. I don't think you want that, okay? So keep that in mind. And so uh, we, we follow the model that Jesus gave. He gave his life for us. He wants to live through us now. It's an exchange life. Um, he wants us to continue he's living through us he wants to continue his mission through us and then paul gives this instructions in first corinthians 11 he says first of all before you do this before you come before the lord before you participate with the bread and the cup you just need to examine yourselves now you got to do that privately and uh, silently but you just need to make sure that you have no unconfessed sin before god before you share in this time. And then Jesus did this and the Apostle Paul 
pass it on to the church that we are to give thanks for the bread and the cup. So let's, let's just pause before God right now with an attitude of gratitude. And as Scripture says, let a person examine themselves. So you get to do that. You get to examine your own life. Ask God to, to uh, show you if there's anything that's not right with you, between you and Him. And if there's anything that you need to confess to Him and ask for His forgiveness for, just go ahead and do that right now. So God, I just want to thank you today for forgiveness of sins. Thank you for the promise that if we confess our sins, that you are faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us of all unrighteousness. And that we have that confidence today because of your promise. It's not about a feeling, it's about truth. Thank you. And now we thank you for the bread that represents the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that he was willing to serve you totally and fully and that he gave his life for us. We cannot comprehend it all that he died for the entire world. He died for each one of us individually and personally. We thank you for the cup that represents the blood that was shed on the cross for us. And, and we understand that his blood was a, was a payment, a ransom for our sin. And that you ultimately were satisfied and now you offer forgiveness. And we thank you and we give you praise. And Lord, may, may we be a more grateful people because of who you are and what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, the way we do communion at the bridge is if you are a follower of Christ, you are welcome to participate, even if this is your first time here. And uh, there's a station right here. There's a station right here. So you can just uh, come forward when you're ready and uh, grab one and you can go back to your seat and you can take uh, communion whenever you are ready.